every day we make choices. Some, someone once wrote that our lives up to this moment are the sum total of our choices. I don't know about that necessarily. I think it's true to some degree, but I think there are some things out of our control. So we do the best we can in the midst of those. We make choices what we're going to wear, appointments we're going to make, meetings we attend, what we're going to order for lunch when we leave here. We make choices around what we're going to watch on Netflix or what cereal we're going to buy at the store. Choices are, in a sense, a fact of life. But yet, for me, and maybe for you, sometimes we end up drifting into gratitude, or we move towards it out of a sense of duty or a sense of obligation. In her book, uh, Grateful, a book that I have sort of been using during this uh, last couple of weeks to kind of get my head around gratitude and gratefulness. Um, Diana Butler Bass describes three different ways that we might understand gratefulness. And I'll just break it down very simply. She says the first is transactional. We say thank you when something does someone for us. Now, we may really be grateful. We may not. It's sort of like at Chick-fil-A when I say thank you and they say my pleasure. I really don't know if it was their pleasure that they gave me a large fries. It very well could be. My guess is what they've been trained to do. I like to think it is, and those of you who know folks who work at Chick-fil-A probably know it comes from the heart. But there have been times where I may give a thank you, and I don't know if I'm really that thankful. I'm just saying this feels like the right thing to do in order for society to run well and to do well. So it's transactional. Sometimes it's reciprocal. Someone does something for us, so out of maybe gratitude, we do something for them. Someone gives you a gift for Christmas, out of gratitude, you give them a gift for Christmas. I'm not saying that it's always out of gratitude. Sometimes it may be transactional. Sometimes it may be you didn't read the memo, gift exchange. We're not getting them for everybody, all right? So there are different ways that we approach it. Then she talks about what she calls basically choosing gratitude based on the awareness that all of life is a gift and that God's grace pervades what I would call the allness of life. Grace is everywhere. God's giftedness is everywhere. And this becomes kind of a tough sell because I was very aware as, as I put my thoughts down in paper, what about the person that is not feeling it this morning? What about the person that is not feeling very grateful, is not feeling very thankful, and they have very good reason to not feel that way? My response is, stay and be who you are. But realize that even my tough time or your tough time or society's tough times does not negate God's goodness and God's giftedness and God's grace. It still exists. I don't believe it means that we're thankful for the bad stuff that happens. What it means is when the bad stuff happens, God's grace is still present, and God's grace is still with us. That's what I think Paul meant when he said, all things work together for the good. Paul wasn't saying everything that happens is good. Paul was saying because of God's grace and God's mercy and God's love, I am working on behalf of you for your good. I am with you. I will never leave you alone. But let's go back to choosing gratitude. So Diana Butler Bass writes this. She shares in her book a Thanksgiving prayer that she wrote back in November of 2016. And here's a portion. 
starting from the beginning. And I'll just read a portion of her prayer. God, there are days we do not feel grateful. When we are anxious or angry, when we're alone, when we do not understand what's happening in the world or with our neighbors, we struggle to feel grateful. But this Thanksgiving, we choose gratitude. We choose to accept life as a gift from you. From the enfolding work of all creation, we choose to be grateful for the earth from which our food comes, for the water that gives life, and for the air we all breathe. We make the choice to see our ancestors, those who came before us, and their stories as a continuing gift of wisdom for us today. We choose to see our families and friends with new eyes, appreciating them for who they are, and be thankful for our homes, whether humble or grand. We will be grateful for our neighbors, no matter how they voted or how much we feel hurt by them. We choose to see the whole planet as our shared commons, the public stage of the future of humankind and creation. God, this Thanksgiving, we do not give thanks. We choose it. And then she goes on. That really struck me. As I read that, as I wrestled with it, I thought, so what would it look like for me to choose gratitude And what does it do for me when I choose gratitude? So I began to do a little bit of an experiment. I began to do a little bit of choosing of gratitude. And let me report back a little bit of the fruit that I found in my life. The first is this. It curbed some of my complaining. Now, not saying I don't complain at all. I just found I don't complain as much. Now, you're going to have to check with someone else on this to verify the data on this self-study. I'm not going to put Linda on the spot right now, but if you want to do a review of that, you talk to Linda afterwards. But I think I have complained less, and I think what I've realized is I don't want to waste energy complaining at all. Thomas Merton once wrote this, quote, those who are not grateful soon begin to complain of everything. There's a couple um, called the Gottmans. They are marriage uh, counselors, and they do a lot of research, a lot of work on marriages. And they have what's called the five-to-one principle, or the positive-to-negative ratio, in which they say there should be five expressions of appreciation every day for every one criticism. Because it takes that many expressions of appreciation to outweigh the one criticism or the one negative comment. Which really tells us the power of a negative comment and criticism the power of appreciation. So I adapted that, and I thought, so how would it be if I gave five expressions of gratitude for every one complaint? So as I've thought about when I've complained, I've thought about intentionally being grateful for things in my life so I can curb my complaining. The second thing it did was it grounded me more in the present. Practicing gratitude has in some ways helped me be more patient. Again, you got to check with Linda on this. I don't know, but I think It bears out to be true. I try not to push for future outcomes as much as I did. I try to be grateful for the process. I am able to let go of the past, and in many ways, looking back all the time and focusing on the future all the time causes us to miss those gifts in the present. So finding ways and choosing gratitude, I hope, has grounded me more in that present. A third thing it's done, it's connected me more to those who have shaped me and made me. In practicing gratitude, I hope it's curbed my arrogance. The arrogance that I may assume that all the good I am and any success I've achieved has been all on my own with no help from anyone. Ingratitude 
for me at least, quickly forgets that there were people along the way that provided encouragement, people along the way that provided support, people along the way that provided maybe even material means to help me get to where I am, whatever that is. And gratitude never forgets that and takes time to acknowledge. Just a couple more. The fourth thing that choosing gratitude has done is help me clarify my boundaries. Now let me just explain that. Boundaries are about emotional health and space. They define the line between myself and others and what I'm willing to accept and what I'm not willing to accept. People with good boundaries know what they want and what they choose to accept and not accept. People with poor boundaries don't know who they are or what they want and tend to let folks take advantage of them. That's a really, really quick version of what boundaries are. It's like having a fence. A boundary says, this is my space, this is your space. If your neighbor started dumping their garbage on your yard and just walked away, a poor boundary would say, well, okay, I guess I'm supposed to deal with all of his garbage. I'll just take it out every day. That's poor boundaries. Letting people always dump their garbage in your life. Good boundaries are, nope, this isn't going to happen anymore. This needs to stop. It's talking to your neighbor and saying, I enjoy having your neighbor, but here's the deal. Your garbage is your garbage. My garbage is my garbage. You take care of your own. I'll take care of my own. And in fact, when you take yours out to the driveway, I'll support you every morning. I'll clap for you. I'll cheer you on. I'll pray for you. But keep your garbage in your space. So as a spiritual practice, gratefulness has helped me clarify my boundaries by defining for me what I want to be around and what I don't want to be around. I find I spend less time or give less attention to that which is toxic negativity or cynicism. And what I do, it is deepen my desire to help folks discover the wound that is the source of their negativity and cynicism and help them find a way out so their lives can take on a deeper aliveness and joy. Because what I find out is I don't want to live that way. Why do you want to live that way? doesn't mean I disconnect from people like that completely. I get that way. But what it has helped me see is I don't think I want to breathe in secondhand negativity and cynicism anymore. I want to keep my heart protected. I want to keep my heart open. You know, Proverbs talks about that. It says, guard your heart, for from it flow flows uh, the springs of life. Proverbs invites us to build boundaries around our heart, and we decide what gets in and what doesn't. And then the last thing is this. Now, this is going to be probably... Um, pushed to the edge for a few people, but this is what it spoke to me. Choosing gratitude deepened my desire for justice. Now, I'll explain that. As I've experienced God's gratefulness or God's gifts in my life out of gratefulness, I have found that it's deepened my desire to see others experience the same gifts. And I've come to realize how I don't have any entitlement to these gifts. And that God meant them for everyone because God so loved the world, and I'm not the only one that lives on this planet. Now, where did I come to this realization? I reflected back on this. This this December, it will have been two years since I had that initial diagnosis of prostate cancer. Now, the good news is, is that the numbers have gone down. And the good news is, is that I've been doing what's called active surveillance And the good news is, I don't think I'm going to have to do anything for years. I think this is the way this is going to shake out. But when I was first diagnosed, um, I wasn't given a whole lot of options, which is fine. So Linda and I, we began to look around, and we began to explore other possibilities. 
And so we literally went to two other hospitals. And we went to one, and we talked with them, and they did an examination and gave us what their um, protocol would be. Came home and said, eh, they were good, but I don't think we're going to use that. So we went to another hospital, and they did the examination, told us what their protocol was going to be, and we said, that actually sounds pretty good. I like it. It aligns up with our goals. It aligns up with what we want, and I think that's going to work out pretty well. We're going to go with you. So as I reflected more upon that, I realized I had a choice. I literally was interviewing medical providers for the opportunity to take care of me. And I began to realize I'm in a position in life where I have that choice. There are some in this world that do not have that choice. Some in this world that simply do not have any medical care at all. Now, this is where I have to talk about me. You have to let it cash out how it cashes out for you. But when I chose gratitude, I said, God, I am thankful for the medical care that I'm able to receive. And then I began to say, and I am going to do everything I can for me to make sure that everyone has access to medical care as well. Because it was a gift to me. It needs to be a gift to everybody. Now, that may not be your calling. That may not be where you are. What I'm saying is this. It deepened my desire for justice because I realize there shouldn't be any boundaries to God's gifts. God's gifts should be available to everybody. That's why we raised over 10,000 pounds of food last week, because that should be available to everybody. Like Dave said, this past Sunday, they served 65 people. If you do the math, at a minimum, that's 130 people total, just at a minimum. More than that, that's probably 150, 200 people total. That's what choosing gratitude has done for me. I don't know what it will do for you, but I'm confident it will do something. Maybe not in the immediate, but maybe down the road. Maybe not right away, but it will cultivate a heart, I think, that will show forth in generosity, a heart that will show forth possibly in joy. I want to close with this passage. I'm not going to delve deep into the passage, but it's out of 2 Corinthians 9, 7, and 15. I want to read it, and I'm just going to close with a final few words. You're going to think that I'm actually trying to slip into stewardship passage here at the last minute, like I got some kind of sleight of hand going on. That's not the case. Because as I read this, as I sat with it last night, I began to realize I regret that we've only used this passage in the church on stewardship Sundays. Because it has a lot more to say than just what you put in the plate. So 2 Corinthians 9, 7 to 15. Everyone should give whatever they have decided in their heart. They shouldn't give with hesitation or because of pressure. God loves a cheerful giver. God has the power to provide you with more than enough of every kind of grace. That way, listen to this, you will have everything you need always and in everything to provide more than enough for every kind of good work. That sounds like a 10,000-pound food drive. You will have everything you need and always in everything to provide more for every kind of good work. As it is with... As it is written, he scattered everywhere, he gave to the needy, his righteousness remains forever. And then Paul closes. The one who supplies seed for planting and bread for eating will increase your crop, which is righteousness. You will be made rich in every way. Think of that, rich in every way, not just materially, but how have you been made rich? 
with friendships, maybe with family, maybe in your faith. Maybe you have had material means come your way. Maybe you have shelter. I don't know, but how have you been made rich in every way? So that you can be more generous in every way. Such generosity produces thanksgiving to God through us. Your ministry of the service to God's people isn't only fully meeting their needs, but it is also multiplying in many expressions of thanksgiving to God. This is what I call living with an abundance mentality. All of life is a gift. All these gifts are received and shared. And as we receive these gifts, we develop a grateful heart and we choose gratitude. And from this grateful center, we live a generous life. And this life of generosity lives on behalf of others and helps to meet the needs of others. And then those who are on the receiving end of our generosity, of your generosity, they experience the grace of God's provision in their life, and it nurtures in them a grateful heart, and they choose gratitude, which in turn nurtures them in a generous heart, and they in turn give. And this circle of gratitude and generosity keeps expanding outwards until it covers all of creation. It just ripples out farther and farther and farther. That's why I say even the smallest act of generosity can make a big wave. Even the smallest act of gratitude, which comes forth in generosity, can create a big wave, and it just keeps moving and moving. And I will say this, I think this is how the world is saved. This is how the new creation is developed. Do you remember the story of Zacchaeus? When Zacchaeus came down from the tree, and he went with Jesus to have dinner, and Zacchaeus Came and ex- Jesus came and accepted Zacchaeus, and after Zacchaeus responded to God's love through Jesus, do you remember what Zacchaeus did? He gave back everything he had stolen, and then some, because he was a tax collector. He gave back to everybody what he had taken from them, and on top of that, he said, and here's even the money I took off to the side. I'm going to give that back to everybody. And then Jesus said those amazing words. Today, salvation has come to this house. This man has been saved. In other words, what is it that ends up redeeming creation and all of creation? It's hearts of generosity. It's hearts of gratitude that have been so transformed, they end up giving that generosity back to the world and to those around them. Final thought, then we'll close. Diana Butler Bass writes this, Gratitude calls us to sit together, to imagine the world as a table of hospitality, to feed one another, to feast, to dance in the streets, to know and celebrate abundance, gifts, and gratefulness. Gratitude empowers us. It makes joy and love possible.